Welcome. My name is Allie Depew. And I'm Kathleen Dent. And we're from Inspired Classroom and Mentoric Software. We are building a community of mentors and elevating the practice of mentorship. This is a show about defining, refining, and discovering how mentorship can revolutionize learning. I would like to welcome our guest, Paul Gladen with Accelerate Montana. I'm super excited to have Paul on our show today, uh, partially because Paul has been a mentor to Kathleen and myself, and it's really an honor to have you here with us today. It's great to be with you. I'm so glad. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I'm Paul Gladen. Uh, as you said, I'm director of Accelerate Montana, which is the University of Montana's economic and workforce development programs. Uh, as you may be able to tell from the accent, I'm not a Montana native. Uh, grew up in the UK, uh, but have lived and worked in the US since 2001. Was in New York for six and a half years. Um, my career history encompasses being an accountant, being a business consultant, being an entrepreneur, and since 2014, uh, working at the University of Montana, initially doing just entrepreneurial work, which is obviously where I met um, the two of you. Uh, and then more recently, broadening that to cover a range of economic and workforce development activities. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So what I hear is that you're giving opportunity to students and businesses and communities across the state of Montana. That is our goal. That is our mission to help businesses grow, help entrepreneurs get started, help them succeed, help individuals uh, access opportunities from a career perspective, give them the skills that will make them valuable to themselves and to Montana businesses. Okay, so my first question for you is, why are you drawn to this type of work? Tell me a little bit about how you ended up in Missoula, Montana doing this. It's a slightly long story. I'll try to give you the shortish version. Um, so my journey here was really um, through one of my best friends from university in the UK, a guy called David Firth, who's now a professor at the College of Business at the University of Montana. Um, so David had married an American, moved to the US, um, got a PhD, got hired at uh, the University of Montana back in the early 2000s. I was living in New York. He's like, hey, we're moving to Missoula. And I'm, like, I'm not too sure I know where Missoula is, but anyway, came out to visit, uh, loved it, went to Glacier, got chased by a bear, all those kind of things. Um, and a few years later, David said, hey, I've got a student in my class who's got this idea and it sounds similar to something you're working on because I was just starting to think about starting my own business. So ended up starting a business with um, that student, um, Todd Taylor, who was a non-traditional student. He was looking to change his career path. Um, so we started that business a couple of years later. It made sense for a bunch of reasons for me to move from New York to Missoula. So I moved here in 2008. And then um, the short answer to your question is, how did I end up doing this? Is sort of almost by accident. So here I was in kind of Missoula, Montana, running a small entrepreneurial business and went to a workshop downtown at the Holiday Inn about raising money for startups. And I knew very little about startups. I'm like, well, let's go see what this is about. And at that, ran into someone who you both know, Dawn McGee, uh, who'd recently moved to town and was um, the CEO of a group called Good Works Ventures, mm -hmm. which was an investment kind of social impact um, group. And Dawn and I got chatting. I'm like, who are all these people at this kind of workshop looking to raise money? So we're like, well, why don't we see if we can figure out a way to get them together? So we launched a group that we called the Hellgate Venture Network, which is an entrepreneurial networking group. 
and we created a LinkedIn group. We sent an email out to a bunch of people and said, hey, if you're interested in entrepreneurship and want to get together, we're going to meet kind of Brooks and Brown, the bar, next Thursday at 4. <laughs> well, I think that's actually like the first time I met you was at one of the Hellgate Venture Networks. Quite possibly. And it was in a warehouse. Yeah, well, we got to move to different places. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I was gatherings. at the Brooks and Brown experience. I think I was yeah. at the warehouse experience. But I yeah. do remember that being one of the first times that I met you. And I thought, this is a really interesting group of of people, a lot of really interesting ideas. Absolutely. And wow, there's more people that are that are cr- as crazy as we are out there. Absolutely. Well, and you just nailed why we kept kept running the Hellgate Venture Network until COVID sort of has put a put a hopefully a temporary stop on our activities. But we ran the Hellgate Venture Network from April two thousand nine, really probably probably until what April of twenty twenty mm-hmm. <laughs> um, every month. And it was pretty informal. Anyone was welcome to come. Uh, Good Works Ventures provided some free beer and kind of beverages to sort of facilitate the kind of the social networking. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what we heard from people is exactly what you said. Hey, there are other crazy people trying to do crazy things. So I was like, well, this is rewarding. It's fun to talk to these people. And um, because people would come to the Hellgate Venture Network and because I was one of the co-founders, many times people would reach out and say, hey, do you have time? for a coffee or a beer to talk about what I'm working on and see if you can help me. And I'm like, sure, sounds like kind of fun. And I, the first part of my career was essentially as a business consultant. So I'm sort of naturally attracted to trying to solve business well, problems. Paul, it's kind of funny. Like if you say the name Paul Gladen in Missoula, Montana, I would say that 90% of our small businesses go, oh yeah, Paul helped me do that. So you have had a huge impact on our community. So Ellie, I'm going to break in here because I'm hearing a couple of things that are interesting because one of the things that you said at the first is that we're, you know, talking about refining and defining mentorship. And um, so I'm hearing that Paul one-on-one has mentored a lot of people in town, right? But even bigger is a lot of times we think of mentors are as being, you know, somebody who's way more experienced or whatever. But Paul, I'm hearing you say that a lot of times mentorship has to do with peer-to-peer mentorship. Oh, and that huge. that networking, the connecting, all of that is part of trying to build you know, a good mentorship um, experience for people. And I know you're, you you carried that out mm-hmm. then in your position at U of M, right? Is, is that idea, because that's how we got connected with you, is the mentorship of entrepreneurs who maybe don't know what they're doing when they need a business plan or whatever, Absolutely. right? Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about that experience? Yeah, so... Sort of my role running what was called the Blackstone Launchpad Program, um, which I still oversee, um, as I've done that job for several years and sat down with literally probably a couple of thousand people that have some idea or somewhere on that entrepreneurial journey, I've always said we sort of do two things for those people. One is to sort of coach them or guide them a little bit through the entrepreneurial journey. Um, so maybe that's a little bit of sort of direct mentoring. I wouldn't formally call it mentoring. It's more sort of coaching, advising. Um, but the other half we've always said is connecting you to other people and programs that can help you. Um, and often those are other entrepreneurs. Um, and a lot of it is because we know the entrepreneurial realm for those that are not necessarily are not entrepreneurs or have not studied it. Entrepreneurship's got huge amounts of uncertainty. To it. That's why it's <laughs> <Certainly> risky, <does. laughs> right? And there are things you can do to reduce the risk 
um, some of which is learning from others that are on that path, but also sometimes um, just talking to other people and like, oh, they've got that problem too, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. We don't know the answer, but at least I'm not crazy for the fact that I don't know the answer. I'm not missing something by not being able to figure out the answer to that or being able to look up the answers. Like I have to go do something and I can talk to other people about things they've tried, um, some of which worked, some of which don't. Um, so I can avoid maybe some of the pitfalls, avoid going down some of the rabbit holes, but also um, get ideas of things that I might try that might be a good good thing for me to do. Yeah, and I, I have to say that in working with you, I think when you look at that mentorship component of it, um, one of the things that I've always appreciated and when I think about mentorship that works versus mentorship that, um, I don't know, is sort of weak or mm. diluted, um, a lot of times when you can talk to somebody and they'll say, do this or think about this, and then that's it. There's no follow through. There's no follow on. But one of the things I've really appreciated in working with you is there's that continued support and connection. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't surprise me when there's an email from Paul Gladen in my inbox that says, you have to do this, do this now. And <laughs> <laughs> we've gotten ourselves into some pretty fun situations, a little bit of trouble by going, well... Paul says, do it now. We better right. do it now. So we've well, signed up for something or. <laughs> well, I'd probably phrase it a little different, which is not as we do this. You may want to try this. Yes, yes. I, I believe right. that's a little bit nicer. Yes. But, which I think is something to recognize in mentorship that yes. um, I think, Kathleen, as you've suggested, lots of people think about it as sort of mm -hmm. the expert, the guru, the master right. sort of um, professing their expertise to some young sort of naive individual. And it's, it's not like mm -hmm. that. It's much more about suggesting things. Uh, and I say this to a lot of the entrepreneurs I meet with and they like kind of, so what do you think of my idea? And I'm like, I, I can tell you what I think, but what I think doesn't matter, right? The marketplace matters. The only way you will figure out what actually works is by trying to do it. So that's what I'm trying to encourage people to do is to try things and see whether that works for them, right? Whether it works for their business, whether it works for them as something they would like to do. It's about um, sort of um, suggesting possibilities, encouraging them to explore opportunity. Um, not that I have all the answers. Well, I think that one of the things that we talk about a lot, Allie, is guide on the side rather than sage mm -hmm. on the stage. Yes. Like you said, not being yep. the expert, but you know, getting those hey, why don't you try this? But the other piece of it is a ment mentorship is a two-way communication. Mm -hmm. So we always feel like we can, like Allie and I will be talking about an idea and talking about an idea, and we're like, well, we think it's a good idea, but mm -hmm. let's run it past Paul or let's run it past Dave or let's, you know. So yep. we've kind of created a stable of mentors that we can go to and say, we're thinking this what do you think about that or where might you direct us for more resources mm -hmm. on that? Mm -hmm. And I think that two-way communication piece between a mentor and a mentee, even if it's not a super formal yep. relationship, is extremely important and um, and something that you are trying to, right. to figure out for your students. Yeah, I think it's something I've sort of really learned to appreciate from, in many ways, sort of the Hellgate Venture Network mm. and sort of building that community and network. And I now tell students and also entrepreneurs, I think your success will correlate to the strength of your network. It's not necessarily about the specific skills and capabilities you have because that network will give you access 
to the ideas mm-hmm. and the knowledge to mm-hmm. do the things that mm-hmm. you can't always do all of those things yourself. So, yeah, building a network around you of mentors and advisors and people you can just run some ideas past them. I love it. Okay, so tell us now about Accelerate Montana and how that has changed and how your role has changed a little bit. Yeah, so um, so Accelerate runs a range of programs that um, run from the entrepreneur realm like the Blackstone Launchpad, but includes um, my colleague Morgan Slimberger, who runs the Women's Entrepreneurship and Leadership Lab, focused on supporting kind of women entrepreneurs and um, women leaders. Um, it includes uh, other programs that are helping businesses of varying sizes tap into specialist expertise, like the Small Business Development Center, helping small businesses with their business plans, helping them potentially get bank finance, the Montana World Trade Center, helping businesses of all sizes that want to kind of do business internationally, the PTAC program helps businesses sell to the government. Um, so we've had a number of those economic development programs, again, working with individuals and entrepreneurs mm-hmm. looking to grow their businesses or grow their ideas. And then more recently, we've um, really significantly broadened the focus of Accelerate Montana on workforce development because it's such a kind of mm-hmm. really a key issue globally, mm-hmm. nationally, and in the state of Montana um, and right here in Missoula where we're seeing, just like everywhere else, sort of places that are not open all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of can't hire enough people. Um, so we've recognized workforce development is something we need to be responsive to and that um, being associated with a higher education institution, we know something about, we have expertise in education and training, but also that we need to deliver that in a way that meets the specific needs of businesses and individuals right now. And we've had some experience with that. Um, I was one of the co-founders of the Montana Code School. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a coding boot camp that we started in 2015. Also being involved in another program, um, which many people at least in Missoula and Montana are familiar with, the AIM Hire program with ATG Cognizant. That's a 12-week boot camp, mm-hmm. um, getting people into Salesforce um, kind of implementation consulting careers. So we've taken some of that knowledge and expertise and experience but, and said, what does Montana need <laughs> from a workforce perspective? Right. What are the skills that employers are looking for uh, and how do we develop uh, or improve the visibility and access to those training programs that can give people the skills to get into the jobs that employers are looking for or to help those individuals who are saying, you know what, I want a career change. Mm-hmm. Right, so the Montana Code School, which we started in 2015, many of those people who went through that program, I mean, spanned the age spectrum wasn't all kind of 18-year-olds sort of sitting in kind of their kind of bedrooms coding. These were people, I think the oldest person we've had go through the code school, I think is Mm mid-50s. They're looking for career changes. They've all got degrees. They're all looking for something different, a career change to learn more about code, whether they want to be a coder kind of all the Mm -hmm. time or whether they're just like, how do I understand what kind of software and technology can do? So so that's what we're doing with Accelerate, um, but not just in the tech industry. Uh, even those are the two examples I used. It can be construction, healthcare, um, agriculture. Agtech is a pretty interesting area right now. Well, so. and it's a huge, it's a huge goal for a huge state mm-hmm. that has a lot of rural components to it. And so it's really exciting to see that you're taking into all of those factors into account. Yes. Um, to build and that, it, and it is very much statewide. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Um, people will think about accelerating being associated with University of Montana and thinking that's a Missoula thing, but we're a statewide 
institution and we want to reach people wherever they are in the state. That's so exciting. I love that. Kathleen, it looks like you've got yeah, <laughs> a question. I've got a question. I was going to say. Well, I love it when the word rural comes up because at Inspired Classroom for the last eight years, that's one of our, you know, um, pillars is is equity of access mm-hmm. and trying to get you know, to classrooms particularly, but also now in, in hearing what you're doing and, and working with you a little bit, um, and going again, back to the mentorship thing, um, in those rural communities, um, to find people who can, uh, bring expertise, bring guidance, bring that, that side by side Mm -hmm. type of experience to, uh, folks would seem to me to be a pretty tough, uh, thing to do, mm-hmm. right? So is that one of the things uh, that you're trying to build out? And and what kinds of things are you thinking about in that space, particularly the underserved rural areas? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's probably our number one priority is how do we reach people and businesses in those rural and indigenous communities? Um, and it's a complex challenge. This is not for us, um, particularly for me, a white Englishman, to sort of try to tell them what the answer is, right? right? Mm-hmm. But it's for us to reach out and say, what do you need? What are your goals and aspirations for your communities uh, for, or for your life in that community? And how can we potentially get you access, uh, which I think is the key word, right, mm-hmm. to some of the know-how and the mentoring and the guidance that can help them see, again, what's possible, right? Um I think sometimes that's even just sort of working with students and their entrepreneurial ideas, you recognize that their ideas are based on their personal experience and worldview, right? So, oh, yes. Um, so the ideas they have represent some of the things that are great about Montana, <laughs> right? Skiing, fly fishing, all those sorts of things. Um, whereas if we were right in the heart of Silicon Valley, right, they're surrounded by other people with tech startups, mm-hmm. all their ideas would be kind of tech startup ideas. So, um, how do we engage some of these rural and indigenous communities, not to say, Hey, you should do this, but say, Hey, have you thought about, and have you, can you see how you might have possibilities to to build skills that can enable you to do something cool and exciting in your community without having to leave that community to potentially bring money mm-hmm. into that community in terms of selling products and services out of state around the world, uh, which can include sharing, particularly sort of sort of indigenous cultures and arts mm. and creativity. Is like how can you create kind of um, awareness and access to that culture to the rest of the world. You can if you have some of that access to the resources, both expertise and learning, as well as obviously broadband technology to facilitate some of that. So there's a lot of challenges to overcome, but that's the philosophy we're trying to bring to that work. That's exciting, Paul. That's really exciting. Um, Also on, I know you're working on internships Mm -hmm. and how to make those more successful. And I know Allie and I came to you and... (laughs) went, we've tried to have an internship, but we mm-hmm. don't know enough to, to mentor somebody in, mm-hmm. let's say, marketing. Um, mm-hmm. We need a marketing intern, but we don't even know where to start with them, right. you know, and we don't have the skills to tell them, oh, you need to do this or whatever. Um, so we felt that pain point too, I think, mm-hmm. um, in, in uh, trying to have an intern. So I know you're trying to work mm-hmm. out some of those things with internship. So 
maybe speaking a little bit about what kinds of, of pain points or what kinds of solutions you see with not just the students, but with the sure. businesses out there, particularly small businesses mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. need interns and who mm-hmm. need help with that. What kinds of things are you trying to overcome in that area? Yeah, I mean, well, I've been in the same shoes as you of hiring interns in the past and like, oh, it seemed like a good idea. And now what exactly am I going to get them to do? <laughs> right? And, oh, and it yeah. takes work to think through what it is you need them to do. Um, so I think what we're we're trying to do with this particular program where we have, we're matching interns with mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, which as you've sort of observed and we've chatted a little bit about, entrepreneurs often don't know all the things they need to know <laughs> really? to do, right? Um so I think what we're trying to, to do is make sure that when we bring an entrepreneur and an intern together, they go through a shared experience of figuring out what it is they're trying to do together, right? Um, and the nature of entrepreneurship is about problem solving. Yep. So it's not mm-hmm. like some other internships, which maybe larger organizations have clear roles. It's like, hey, you're going to be an intern in the accounting and finance department, right? And they've... They know what the jobs are mm-hmm. in the accounting and finance department. They can give that intern some clear kind of direction. But um, we're focused on trying to say, okay, what's in, es- in essence, what's the project that you're probably going to work on through that internship? Mm-hmm. What's the problem that the entrepreneur is needing help with? And how do we structure that in a way um, that – has some form of clear outcome. Yes. I have a question that I want to Mm -hmm. interject here because I think this is something that we found is pretty important and I'm I'm curious, how important are those skills of problem solving um, in programs like Accelerate Montana or your internship program? How much of the focus is on teaching those skills or do you need to teach those skills? Are they... Talk to me a little bit about that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I think many of us, um, in terms of my sort of Accelerate Montana Mm -hmm. colleagues and many of our colleagues at UM, we recognize, uh, you may have heard or people may have heard of the sort of the term, the future of work. Mm -hmm. Um, And it can mean lots of different things. A lot of it clearly Mm -hmm. is about the role of technology. But in many ways, um, it's not so much the role of technology, but the impact that technology is having on the world of work. Right, which essentially is if you can replicate and repeat something, you're going to automate it. Right. Which therefore means the work that's left over for humans to do is the problem-solving stuff, right, the complicated mm-hmm. things. So therefore you need to have people that are comfortable identifying a problem, mm-hmm. kind of de- deconstructing the problem and coming up with creative solutions to that and also being comfortable, which sort of goes back to our entrepreneurial kind of mentoring discussion, being comfortable with the idea that even when we've come up with solutions, we don't know if they're right or not, mm-hmm. right? So you have to be comfortable with uncertainty. You have to be comfortable <laughs> with ambiguity uh, and you have to be willing to try things and um, be confident. And this is sort of important for individuals and important for employers and important for entrepreneurs be comfortable with failure mm-hmm. right and in this context i always sort of talk about failure is not terminal right like failure is the failure of the experiment um or the outcome was not the outcome we were hoping for but we actually have learned something from the failure which is that doesn't work right oh yeah well but, and i think failure takes practice mm-hmm. like 
it's it's a skill that you have to yeah. that you have to become comfortable with and learn right. how to. Well, if you think about it, it's sort of I mean, learning a sport, right? Learning to ski, sure. right? I mean, how many failures do we have learning to ski? <laughs> right? We're falling over all the time until we eventually yeah. figure out how to stand up, and then we figure out how to turn. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think failure's the the catalyst for innovation. Mm-hmm. To me, that's mm-hmm. how Absolutely. I look at it. Like, I hope I fail because I'm going to come up with a better idea, Absolutely. right? But but again, having that conversation with somebody like mm-hmm. you or another mentor who's like, you know, don't don't kick yourself when it doesn't mm-hmm. work. Now think about this or try yes. this or whatever. And, and having somebody side by side with you so that you don't just stop, yes. you know, and say, okay, it just won't work. Or maybe say... Yeah, this might not be the right direction. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need to rethink something else. I yep. think is a is a key role to um, having somebody with a little bit of yep. experience yeah. along the way. The, the good thing about a lot of this stuff is it's not. It may sound chaotic, right? It may sound like kind of you just don't know what you're doing. Um, but essentially, it's sort of the scientific method. Exactly. Yes. We're going to create a hypothesis yeah. that says There's we think that if we do this, this, and this, that we might get this outcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, let's go try that and see if we do. There's and if certainly... we don't, now can we diagnose why maybe that didn't happen? What's the thing we were not thinking about? Right. And there's a lot of frameworks that, that mm-hmm. help people learn right. how to walk through that and think about that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I have a question for you that I want to get back sort of into that the whole who is Paul. Mm-hmm. I want to hear a little <laughs> bit more about one of the successes that you've had. Um, and this can be recent, it can be in the past, but something that let you know, I'm on the right track. I really believe that this is what we need to be doing as a society, as a community, mm-hmm. a university, personally. Mm-hmm. What's one of those experiences in your personal life or, or work life? Yeah, I think one thing that stands out in the work I've done sort of in Accelerate Montana was actually with the code school. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things I sort of feel get the most sort of satisfaction out of mm-hmm. seeing how successful that's been um, and was one of the folks that went through it. And we yeah. went and interviewed some of the kind of graduates from the program kind of a few months later. I mean, essentially the bottom line was he said pretty much literally these words, you've changed my life. Yeah. Right. So that's. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And clearly changed it for the better. Right. Yeah. He was a. Struggling musician in Nashville, and I'm not quite sure how on earth he got connected to us at the Montana Code School, but he moved to Montana. <laughs> he went through the code school, got hired at Printing for Less in Livingston, was loving kind of the work and the job and the challenges of that, and he's like, hey, you changed my life. And it's like, so that's what we can do when we put the right programs in place and mm-hmm. connect people to that opportunity. That's the, that's the power of being a mentor is when mm. you hear that, isn't it? It's just like... Yes. Okay. I know we found that as it's teachers, which yep. are basically mentors. Yep. Um, that's that's when you go back the next day yeah. <laughs> to work. That's the satisfaction, totally. right? Yeah. No, I mean, I got an email from a um, female um, MBA student, um, mm-hmm. a woman of color, and some stuff I've been helping her with. And she sent me an email like, hey, you're, you've single-handedly kind of leveled the playing field for me on some of these things that she's working on. So wow. it's like, right. Wow. That's, that's worthwhile. Absolutely. Well, and that's the work of the world that needs to be mm-hmm. done, right? Yeah. And we just need to find out or, yeah. or figure out solutions that help us do it more easily. Right. And in some ways, even in that example, it's like, I'm really not doing that much, right? I'm just 
I made some conversations and giving her some ideas and giving her some confidence in the things she's sure. doing that she's then going mm-hmm. and doing the work. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's finding those frameworks that can help you mm-hmm. put people on the right track, yep. help them start to think in a slightly different different way and give them yep. the confidence mm-hmm. too, to, to fail, to yes. try new things. And then even the confidence to succeed, because I think mm-hmm. it, you have to learn how to succeed just as much as you have to learn right. how to fail. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes we can put up our own barriers oh. for, for success and whatever endeavor yes. we're working on. And, and yeah, so, to do. so much of this is, is opening people's minds, to the possibility, whether, as I say, it's rural mm-hmm. folks understanding kind of what is, what is technology doing elsewhere that could, um, have its own role to play yes. in your community or whether it's the mindset that someone has because what they see around them in the workplace or from their personal experiences that's limiting their perspective on what's possible. Well, and I love one of the things that you've done and we've we've benefited from this as well is that th- these are really big topics, but you've been able to take them and break them down into little bite-sized pieces for people. And I think when you think about teaching a framework, whether it's teaching somebody how to problem solve, teaching a framework of design thinking or communication mm-hmm. or any of those, or success or failure. When you lay something out for somebody, you can't give it to them all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> you know, it's like throwing somebody in the deep end of the pool without, yep. you know, without a life jacket and not knowing yep. how to swim. They're, it doesn't work very well. Yep. And so I really appreciate... Um, watching you work and seeing the processes that you go through, you've learned how to break them down into chunks and then be able to then direct people to the chunk that's re- that's appropriate mm-hmm. for them at that moment in time. And I would I would say personally that's one of the reasons why you've become a successful mentor is partially due to your own experiences and then being able to do that for other people. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's always trying to focus on um, what the next step and actually the question, so in some ways the people I work with um, kind of get the credit because they're always mm-hmm. asking the question, what What do I need to do next? Sure. Where do I start, right? So it's like, okay, let's figure out kind of what is a good starting point. Um, but I would, would also say, I mean, it's it's a team effort, right? The ability oh, yeah. sure. um, for, for you to make those observations is also dependent on the team I work with and the other people in the community here mm-hmm. that kind of I'm referring you <laughs> and others to to say, hey, go talk to this person We'll go talk, participate in this program. So it's it, it's just a lot of what I someone I described what I was doing once, and somebody said, "Oh, you're just a human router." Right? <laughs> yes, right. But that's it's like, hey, go talk to these three people, mm-hmm. see what you learn from them, and come back and let's sort of let's digest what you've learned from that and figure out where does that take you next. But I think that's a huge missing link for mm-hmm. a lot of people and mm-hmm. for a lot of particularly small businesses. Yep. They don't have the time to have a human oh. router, <laughs> you right. know, to mm-hmm. go, well, what, what do we yeah, do? Yeah. Where do we go to ha- get our employees some help? Why do, you know, it, what do we do for our customers? So having a connection like that's really important. Mm-hmm. And it's it's probably one of the f- probably biggest frustrations in the job is when I meet that entrepreneur who's so far down the road and mm. often at the point like, I'm so close to success, but I need some more money. And they there's a bunch of things they haven't really done. They haven't mm-hmm. gone and talked to other people, yeah. both about their product idea, most importantly. Validate yes. There's actually an opportunity for what they're doing, but they have sort of unfortunately been locked in their basement or their garage with an idea and have not gone out and said, hey, who can help me? So 
if there's a takeaway here, it's sort of can we encourage folks to not only provide that mentoring but to seek the mentoring and mm -hmm. almost Ooh, you yeah. uh, we the people we meet like kind of hey who are you talking to about that right yeah. encourage them to go talk to more people as well as what are you working on what can i help you with right i mean that's i mean it's almost what i start most conversations like what, what can i help you with today mm -hmm. right where are you what do you think you're stuck what are you mm. trying to do and what what are your plans for that and how can I help you with that? So I think really encouraging people to just have more of these conversations about how can I help you mm -hmm. and what do you need help with? So I guess we could say mentorship is building a human router. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. We could yeah. use that as a nugget. And that could be a nugget. And, <laughs> and connecting them to, to both people and ideas. Yes. Right? right. Connect, connecting to the possibility, oh, what could we do here? What would be an opportunity. Uh, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that as well as go talk to these people yeah. and see what they think? What do they suggest? It's what does huge. their experience tell them? Well, a word that's been playing, that's been sort of bumping around in my head the last few weeks is amplification. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, I think it, it it's that amplification of um, being the router and being the router for more without taxing mm -hmm. yourself mm -hmm. or taxing a certain system. How do you do that? Mm -hmm. um, it's amplifying the communities that the entrepreneur is a part of, the people that they're talking to, how do they get their word out, get yep. and also ask for help from, from the right people. Mm -hmm. And so it's an interesting thing to think about, how do we take what we're doing in a really successful model and then amplify that Absolutely. for a statewide model? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, like one of the things I end up doing quite a bit now because I've mm -hmm. built this network of... Yep kind of people across the state and kind of beyond that for some of these early stage entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and, you know, because we've worked on this together, sort of the customer discovery, the customer sure. interview process. Like I'll just post a LinkedIn post that says, hey, I'm working with an entrepreneur who needs to talk to people mm -hmm. in this space, right? And I get a bunch of people replying and so I can amplify yes. what they're trying to do to connect them to people. <laughs> <that> are, <laughs> It's it's easier than it ever has been in some respects, and because of, of the technology. But it's also more difficult in some sure. respects mm -hmm. because there is so much noise out there. Yeah. And, you know, so organizing it in a way that's that's useful and and um, easy to, to well, do that, it's is that curation good. piece, yeah. right? Because you know, starting out as a small business, Kathleen, you and I, I can remember just like googling and googling words that we weren't even sure were the right words. We mm -hmm. didn't even know like if this term applied to us was it? or some of the financial stuff. Oh my gosh. I had no idea what some yeah. <laughs> that terminology meant. And so really to find also a person, a system that can help you curate some of the noise and curate mm -hmm. where to go yep. is so valuable. It's so yeah, valuable. I think a lot of what happens in these conversations is either, um, they've got 27 things going on in their head and it's like, okay, let's figure out which of these things. Focus. Yeah. Both focus, but also which things do you actually not need to worry about right yeah. now? Oh. Right? Mm -hmm. You're not at that point, right? Mm -hmm. Raising money isn't going to happen until you've demonstrated you've actually got a marketplace. So forget about what you need to do to go raise yes. money and now let's focus on. Um, so, so filtering through that stuff and like you can put those 10 things kind of in the parking lot for now and we'll come back to them later. These are the three you need to focus on. And then once you're, okay, so this is actually the question we need to be kind of focused on right now. Mm -hmm. Now, who are the people? Because if you're just like, hey, kind of 
just go talk to that person and kind of see what comes out of it, right? You need to go with some sort of ask, right? Some sort of question yes. you're looking for specific help with, even if the conversation then opens up in a whole host of different directions, which is kind of the magic yeah. of the process. But you can't just go have, let's just go have a random conversation around stuff. <laughs> well, and people don't have time to waste. No. Mm-mm, no. All right. So I want to I want to wrap this up today, Paul. And I really appreciate your time. But I want to leave with one one last question or series of questions around what what are the things that you are most excited about in mm-hmm. the next year? Mm-hmm. Um, what are you What are you hoping for? And what are things that make you a little bit nervous? Oof. Um. I think the things I'm excited and hopeful for is that we can get um, the right people connected to mm-hmm. the right sort of training and skills and opportunities mm-hmm. and that there is, uh, there's a lot of money flowing right yeah. now through kind of um, federal and state government that we're looking to try to tap into that mm-hmm. can lower the barriers mm-hmm. to folks getting access to those skills mm. and training. Because right now a lot of sort of the training system is skewed where the risk and obligation yeah. and the financial obligation is on the individual. And I think we can level the playing field a little bit there. That's exciting. Um, what that scares me? Or yeah, well, what's, like, what do you wonder about? Like, what are the things that are... If you had uncertain. Your, uncertain or that, like, if you had a magic wand, I wish I could, I wish I could just make this happen right now. Well, I think it's sort of the imperfections in... Mm-hmm in sort of the information flows, mm-hmm. right? So we can put, we can create great training opportunities, yes. but does that reach that person mm. in Wolf Point, Montana, mm-hmm. um, who kind of may well be a brilliant software developer, right? Sure. Or would um, hit somewhere else who like kind of construction would be the perfect mm-hmm. kind of career for them in terms of the characteristics of that job. but they're just not aware that the opportunity mm. to get the training mm-hmm. and what does that job look like? One of the things we spend a lot of time talking about is not just career readiness, which is sort of the subject of the day, but actually career awareness. Oh, So how do you actually know what a job looks like? Mm-hmm. Right. And that sort of, um, in many ways we are way too narrow yeah. in our conceptualization of like kind of working in healthcare means you're a nurse or a doctor. Sure. It's like, well, no, there's healthcare technicians and there's people managing financial systems mm-hmm. and all sorts of different things. So how yeah. can we help people understand um, what do some of these careers and jobs look like? What are the skills they need in terms of sort of the, the problem solving or the utilization of technology? So um I think there's lots of opportunity, but how do we help people mm-hmm. get visibility and an appreciation of that opportunity even before we actually connect them to it? I love it. I love it. And then the final thing is like, what, I guess, what are the hurdles that, can we help you with anything or can our listeners help you with anything? Um, I think the more that people can be, I mean, essentially, the more that people share what is it they're trying mm-hmm. to get done and or what they can help with, the more we we unblock the information flows. That's great. Right. Great. Thank you, Paul. It was Thank great you. to talk to you. It was fun. I know. Thank you so much. I love it. I learned a lot about Accelerate Montana that I wasn't had no idea. This is wonderful. I'm happy for you and I'm really excited for the state of Montana. Me too. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>